from Los Angeles, California. This is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy. I just totally sounded like a valley girl. Totally. Totally. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Sally. But you're not. You're a Beverly Hills I babe. Love the valley. Okay, so let's go back to small penises and how we just started talking about that because I walked into our studio. Yes. And um, I was going to bring my microphone and I thought my microphone that was silver and like large size, I never have seen a microphone like that. So I thought, oh, you know what? That's a nice size microphone. And then all of a sudden, uh, I walk into your studio and your microphone is like double, triple the size. It's and impressive. I, I had a, uh, I had a visceral response and I was a little shocked because number one, I didn't know they made them that big, but it also, I'm not going to lie. It's phallic. It looks phallic. It looks like a penis. I'll say it. It does. And, um, anyway, and so now I can't stop thinking that my microphone was smaller than yours. Well, do you feel less of a person because of it? I, I don't know if I would get the action that I needed from my small microphone uh, versus your large, supple, uh, erect microphone. Well, you know, <laughs> the way technology is today, it has advanced to a degree that you can get just as much power and sound out of a smaller device, but obviously I'm a size queen. So that's where the Yeti comes in. You are, you're stroking your mic. <laughs> I just want people to visually yes, understand. I am. That I am. What I am presenting on. it. It is on a velvet cushion. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. I must say. So here's the thing: Are you saying that size matters? I think that size is in the eye of the beholder. That means yes. I think size <laughs> does matter, but I don't think that bigger equals better. Okay, so let me ask you something: How do you feel about small penises? Well, it depends on what we are defining small as, right? I mean, are we talking about length? Are we talking about girth? And, like, how small? What I might consider small might be totally fine for somebody else, or it may be huge for somebody else. What I think is fine and average and acceptable acceptable accounts. <laughs> take off your pants. That's acceptable. <laughs> Are we talking like snossages? You know, like little dog like Okay, I was with someone once where it was erect like <laughs> the length of maybe three quarters of my pinky, which oh my may God. be like an inch and a half. Me too. And I knew it only from touch and I wouldn't look at it. I didn't know, I didn't say anything. Did you have some of that? Yeah, I had that, oh no, what am I going to do, kind of I mean, did you feeling. have it? Did you go for it and still make the deepest kind of loving no. you could have? No, no. Because no. of that? Yes. Aww. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to recall, because I know it was so long ago, and I, it was in my early or mid-twenties, mid-twenties. So I think I handled the situation uh, appropriately. Um, I didn't leave, I didn't 
leave him out in the cold. Okay, so you fooled around with him, but you couldn't do the deed, which is yes. go on, have intercourse. And I think that that was okay uh-huh. uh, because we had only been seeing each other a little uh, <laughs> an hour uh, uh, an hour a little bit I, um yeah <laughs> okay i do want people to understand jenny that okay i'm laughing first of all we are therapists yes and we so are by no means i want to say that we are laughing at anyone with a small penis no um, we're and, laughing at my awkwardness yeah. in a situation when i was younger in our in our experiences because right. uh, you know when we react that's, I'm also reflecting on a time where I really, I dated someone that was uh, lovely. He was a very nice, kind person, and then he happened to be uh, kind of a similar situation. And, um, you know, we just decided we'll just, you know, keep our friendship and not focus on uh, having a romantic relationship because it's just not a good idea. Um, but but did he know why? Uh, I think think he could guess because that statement came right after I had been presented with his junk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was unacceptable. But not not because of any other thing. Honestly, it was more like the friendship thing. And then we crossed over to being more than friends. And so anyway, it doesn't really matter. But I don't at all think that, uh, you know, I mean, we could say the same for the large size penis, the very uh, huge that is not, you know, that's not fun for a man well, either. Um, well, that was actually what I, I was like going a normally to say thing. next, too. And, and I think I, I, I touched upon it <laughs> a few minutes ago. <laughs> was that uh, I have also stopped seeing somebody because it was too <laughs> cumbersome. It was too large. This is so, like the you know, three bears. I know, this I know. The three bear story. But it is, I think, that... If you're fortunate, I don't know if fortunate is the right word. If you have an active dating life, if you date more than a handful of people in your lifetime. If you're a hoe. (laughs) If you're a hoe. No, if you sexually, you know. If you you cast a wider net. And celebrating your sexual life. You know, and explore it. Right. And and you have, the more partners you have, the more... data you have to compare things against, right? I mean, let's be scientific about it. So, uh, you know, there's, it sounds like a bourgeois problem, but the truth is... No, it's really, really traumatic and devastating, regardless, you know, and we can talk about uh, disformities or, you know, um, people who are, are shy, and that can definitely link up to social anxiety or even a fear of obviously intimacy i mean sure our body images we could say that for women as well who have how many women you know come to us and say that they've had a few babies and they are considering (laughs) i don't know how we got on this subject i know but i want to say it anyway vagina rejuvenation i'm just gonna say (laughs) Which again, I'm not laughing at people who have had it. Rejuvenation. <laughs> it's such a great word. Vaginal rejuvenation. It just sounds like a scary monster that's gonna it like does. eat your life. It does. And I, you know, I would actually, I think it would be an interesting conversation to have with someone who's had it because I don't know and. I know several I, women who have had it. Yeah. And I, it, it's great. They love it. They feel rejuvenated. <laughs> they do. Well, God, I like, sure hope they do. Yeah. After, I'm sure it is, it costs yeah. a pretty penny. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How do you know? 
<laughs> All right, well, look. Where I, you know, I had an accident last year and cut my oh. hand open, right? Oh, oh, right? Oh, yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, it, with your vagina? No, not with my vagina. <laughs> Completely unrelated to my vagina, but it will make sense. So I split my hand open, yes. and what I learned was that all hand surgeons are actually plastic surgeons. Uh-huh. So I <laughs> went... Wait, you went to someone who did vagina rejuvenation? This is your this hand? Is on my hand. That is why my hand now looks like very lovely labia. <laughs> Dr. Rosenberg's office in Beverly Hills. Shout out. Shout out. He's yeah. awesome. Great. I mean, my work, uh, my, my, uh, my hand is beautiful. Wait, wait, um, your husband, hold your hand. <laughs> He just gets a little action. He gets a little. Yeah, it's. (laughs) We've got a little, little uh, clitoris, just a little. um, Oh my god. Clitoral implants. (laughs) Now that's a million dollar idea. If you could put a pleasure button right there, stimulating orgasm. Uh, anyways, back to Dr. Rosenberg's office, and it's not him actually. It is the doctor that he works with has written a book, and it is displayed prominently in their very beautiful high-end Beverly Hills plastic surgeon's uh-huh. office. And the book is entitled okay. "Read My Lips," right. and uh, "Read My Lips" is all about vaginal rejuvenation, yeah. chock full of pictures yeah. and other things. But it is—it's a big business, yes. and it is definitely an, an issue. And it was a very interesting thing to sit down for my first appointment with my husband, and just this, this is like this book is just staring us in the face. Yeah. But it is a real problem for uh-huh. a lot of women, and they feel very self-conscious about it. And like yep. you said, you know somebody who works on men. Penile. Penile implants. implants. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Why? Does a penis, can that be rejuvenated as well? Why don't we have like a soft name for that? Like, I no, think th- implants. I actually think there's... there's yeah. Rejuvenation. <laughs> there's like a nut talk. <laughs> there, I think that there are... The, uh, i sorry, what? I, <laughs> Say what? A nut tuck? I don't know what you would call like um like a ball lift. Oh, a testicle uh, a... enhancer. <laughs> really? I just made that up, by the way. Thank you. I like that. A um sack refurbishment. <laughs> Wait, so I know you can put the fake uh, balls. I'll just say it, balls. Right. Into right. the testes. Yeah. To make the. I think a lot of men have this when they have like prostate cancer or whatever. So, again, we are therapists. This is a very serious subject. However, this um, is just two friends and colleagues having a conversation. Yeah. So we are technically not in the therapeutic roles right now. Let's clarify that where we are, you know, giving advice on any of the stuff, right? This right. We're not endorsing it one way or the other. We oh, definitely yeah. think that everything yeah. is individual. Yeah. And, and I also think that in all things, just my approach to things is a sense of humor doesn't hurt. You know, about yourself and about these topics. And especially when it comes to sex. As serious as it is, I also think that it's hilarious. I think sex can be funny and wonderful and beautiful and it's awkwardness. And that that's what makes it rich and real to me, in Uh my opinion. So, you know, I think that part of good sex is also being able to laugh about it. As well as be serious when the situation merits it. Right, but so here's the thing. Men are really 
tend to be at times sensitive. They've got this beautiful sure. component to them um, where they can be really sensitive. So uh, just to clarify, I don't think you're saying have sex and laugh at Oh, good the God, sex, no. no. Because then they would be, you know, really emasculated and then right. never want to approach that again really you you know now I'm thinking about it after I keep seeing this microphone <laughs> and I'm gonna just say that you know really you your penis can be traumatized you really can oh absolutely well yes D post-traumatic no PT DD post-traumatic dick disorder <laughs> Right? Or penis, but, we could say. I, I, no, I know what you're talking about. I mean, that there's definitely yeah. um, a psychological component to sex and that any kind of sexual trauma... The penis has a mind. Yeah. Trust. As do most of our body parts. You know, we have sense memory. I've met more angry vaginas than I've ever, you know, than I can count. You know, really. And what I mean by that is... I just have a visual of you sitting in the office, like, across from a vagina. Yes, I'm sorry. That just made me laugh. Uh-huh. No, I have not. I'm not a gynecologist, <laughs> but I am a psychologist. And I will say that I do, you know, tons of couples therapy. And, you know, off, a lot of times we'll have themes where the women can't have sex because it's painful or whatever. Yeah. And her vagina is not open. It's not trusting. It's not relaxed. And this is really, you know, a, oh, a, sure. a, a very important thing. And I'll just say what I say because... You know, I like to get to answers. I like to, I, I don't want people in my office for 20 years and just talking about the Amen. weather. And I don't want you not getting solutions, ideas, interventions, coping skills. I, you know, so part of what I do is also the coaching aspect. And, and um, it's, it's important to just kind of name it. And I think a lot of therapists sometimes, you know, feel like it's too harsh or brass or whatever. And, you know, you have to have that good match, you know, so... Once in a while, you know, if I'm not a good match for you, I can find someone who can be a little bit more gentle with the vocabulary. But if I see angry vagina, girl, I'm going to say it. <laughs> girl, you got an angry vagina. I am. It, but it's true. And, and uh, you know, a scared penis. Yeah. That's a very common dynamic. There's also the idea that what happens in the bedroom... <laughs> Uh, either with a partner or even just by yourself, uh, whether there's action or not, is really indicative of how the relationship is. Yeah. How one relates to sex can really give a lot of information about a person. And I think that that's what I mean about sense of humor, that to also understand that you're not always going to be in the most subdued lighting and your partner may have a blemish on their ass or you might see you know, some cottage cheese on those thighs get right. to stepping i say Keep going. kiss those flaws that's right that's my that's my like, mantra yeah. you kiss my flaws like yeah. that worked hard like rub those that. stretch marks right exactly go get the cocoa butter that's right <laughs> And sort of embrace the beauty of the reality of it. And that there, there are times and situations in which you can completely orchestrate a beautiful, romantic sort of... Yeah, Movie-like. Yeah. yeah. And, and play that game as well. But I think in long-term relationships, there has to be variety and willingness to really 
be naked in always in the bedroom. Emotionally naked. Yeah. How many books do you read about that? Be emotionally naked with me. Or some women will even say that. I need you to get naked. I mean, really, it's very easy to physically be naked with someone, but um, but it, it is the blend between, you know, really getting real with someone and um, it's intimacy and trust. It's interesting this is kind of turning into I know. <laughs> sex talk because, you know, Valentine's is around the corner. Yes, Valentine's. And, um... This is our first episode of The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. Dr. Wendy is a licensed psychotherapist, PsyD, and a life coach. And I am an MA and finishing up my intern hours to sit for licensure and... Uh, the, yeah, you should be a life coach. <laughs> I A lot of my work actually is turning into a lot of life coaching. You know, there is a difference between therapy and life coaching. I think back in the day, people kind of joked about it or thought it was not good to really explore being a life coach. But so many people are so strong in different areas, you know, of like health and wellness or financial advising or spirituality, and they really have strengths in those areas. So it's nice to kind of see that life coaching is taken a bit more seriously now. The elements that are used in life coaching are brought into the therapeutic relationship anyways. You know, I think that it's the work that I always did with therapists and my own therapy and also that I would do with clients is a combination of both. That it's both the exploration of what's going on past and present and otherwise inside somebody psychologically and emotionally and also then practical real ways to apply that in life and find resources. So much more proactive. And I think a lot of people want that. I mean, when everybody comes in asking for tools you know, uh, and want to build their skills. And to me, that's always an indication of something that's more coaching. Like, I mean, obviously it's like CBT and... That's um, cognitive behavioral therapy for you all. Yes, uh, which is a much more <clears throat> rationally based, evidence-based practice. And it's less analysis. It's It's less going into your childhood and more about the practical everyday logical stuff and you know so that's very interesting because everyone has a certain style if you go to therapists sometimes they're cognitive behavioral or sometimes they have a mixed bag sometimes they're coaches you know and uh, one of the perspectives i really work on is attachment theory and um you know my book is coming out hopefully very very soon it's yes. called stay open Stay Open by Dr. Wendy O'Connor is available on Amazon and through her website, www.doctorwendyoconnor.com. Can I pitch it? Yes, okay. please pitch your book. <clears throat> so it's called Stay Open and it educates women on secure attachment and kind of taking a look at childhood trauma or uh, losses or, you know, any anything that would you know, add to the life experiences that we have. So it's a bit of biology that we have mom and dad's gene pool, right? And then we have the experiences that are the building blocks that we have uh, built our perspective on. And so a lot of women and men, I think, feel like they're stuck and they can't get out of the 
poor, sad, traumatic childhoods. I call it the war stories. And mm -hmm. so my thought is if we educate people more on what secure attachment looks like and feels like um, and some, you know, fun ways to kind of practice it, it's really possible to feel better in life and really have wonderful self-esteem and then go out there and then find more love and whether that's friendships and social situations um you know for some people it's uh you know connecting with animals that they first hated animals and now they love animals because they're allowing themselves to celebrate and appreciate attachment and connection and affection and that they're worthy of it so anyway it is a book on uh learning about your own attachment style and then finding love and um i want everyone to just feel love on a daily hourly basis although right. you know i feel like i'm like kumbaya right now <laughs> well i think that that you feel that way because you're realistic and you know that that there is it, that we're all limited in how much we can enjoy every day it, like we can experience that love sometimes we're limited because we haven't pushed past the things that you're talking about and that you talk about in your book or we haven't learned how to identify love or or we're too busy to even take a moment and be in gratitude for the love that's around us or that we haven't cultivated our self-love which i know we've talked about and we talk about a lot in the group that we ran and in our with our clients about self-care and self-acceptance, which is such a huge thing. And you know how they say, you are not your past? Yes. Uh, if you make a decision to not be your past, then things can change. And I think a lot of people have that hopeless feeling. And, you know, this kind of ties into Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Um, how often do we talk to people who say, oh, I'm single and I dread Valentine's Day and it's coming up, so I'm just going to stay in my jammies and eat mac and cheese and, you know, watch TV. And, you know, I come from the other perspective, which is, you know, why does it have to be doom and gloom? Let's get out there. Let's get dolled up, whether you're a man or a woman. Celebrate. Love is love. And it can look many different ways. And celebrate the love that you've had, the love that you can have, the love that you will have. I know when I have been single in the past, I would go back and forth between moments of feeling like, oh, yeah, I wish I were in a relationship or missing some element of that relationship that, you know, whatever the last one that was significant was. And then you sort of, I sort of would start to look at it in a different way. Like, what were the lessons there? What were the good things? And ultimately, I always came back with, I am capable of this. I am capable of loving and having a loving relationship. And so this one didn't work out. Moving on. Like, what's next? What did I learn? And sort of like you're talking about checking out your attachment style. What do I need to learn? And how do I find it? How do I implement the things that I've learned the next time around? And I feel that that is the purpose of having multiple relationships in, in one's life. If you're dating, you know, obviously you need time to get over a breakup, uh, but but get over it and take those lessons into the next one that you have. Moving on. And what do you think about people who can't get over their ex and stay really angry? And uh, what do you think about that? had that experience we're like oh you want to smack them and you mean me smile. personally or Wish with really clients bad no you were 
Oh, past per- relationships. Oh, sure. I mean, there's... Like I voodoo think that doll. Was, uh, like well, voodoo doll. Bad. You can't get over it and you wish, like, you know, Chucky showed up at his door. Well, and this kind of <laughs> goes into... <laughs> this kind of goes into the Valentine's Day thing, too, because in... <laughs> One of the things that I was reading was talking about the biochemistry and the neurophysiology of love. And so we know that the neurotransmitter dopamine... Busted out, girl. Listen to that vocabulary. (laughs) So dopamine, which is the dopest of means uh, of neurotransmitters, is the same uh, neurotransmitter that is emitted or floods us when we are doing a drug too, like cocaine or heroin. It's the same as when we're in love. So then, and so, and then there's oxytocin, which is also the, they call it a neurohormone, neurohormone. The love hormone. You know how like you, you, you're with your loved one and you have just the best sexual experience ever. And you're what I call on the oxy cloud. You just, it's that loving feeling. You can also get it with chocolate, by the way. It's chocolate, which I do daily. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the cuddle. It's the the cuddle chemical that we release, right? So those two, dopamine and oxytocin, which also bond us to people, and oxytocin also goes right into stay open, right? It, it's a bonding thing between uh, caregivers and children as well. So it goes deep in all of us. So when we're in love getting over that is like kicking a drug because those two things amongst other things are you know are suddenly not we're not getting our fix as much of the oxytocin and the dopamine and so things start tasting worse or we get depressed we don't want to do things or revenge you know i mean just even you can stay connected to someone through anger i mean yes. feelings are feelings so absolutely you know if you think about it we're we're like a ribbon and you know the loving relationships are like pink ribbons and the toxic ones are like you know satin black ribbons um they're still ribbons they're still a ribbon is just a ribbon <laughs> wait who said a cigar is just a cigar that's right 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 okay well anyway so paging dr Floyd. dr Floyd. paging dr Floyd. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is, is that I read this really interesting article. Uh, I think it was in the New York Daily about if you can't get over an ex on Valentine's Day, there is something you can do about it. Valentine's Day Revenge. I read this really interesting article. Uh, I think it was in the New York Daily about if you can't get over an ex, on Valentine's Day, there is something you can do about it. Did you know that? I did not. Please tell me more. I will. So it is a cockroach that you can send in the mail. It Actually, not a real cockroach because that would be nasty. The whole idea is kind of, I don't know. I, I would Yeah, I was going to say, what, what's the threshold for nasty? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, we could go there. Time. <laughs> because this microphone is staring at me right so right. so uh, but they send a stuffed cockroach in mail and they're like you know this is the x and it, it, they give a definition of what a cockroach is and it's a hard shell and it's unempathetic and blah 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 and it's just kind of like reaming you know your ex for being the jerk that he or she Look, in in the cloud of breakups, I have done and said things that I'm not particularly proud of. 
Uh, so I'm not going to comment on whether somebody should or should not send the adopt a cockroach. So nasty. Uh, yeah. However, I do feel like it never really made anything better. It may temporarily kind of be a temporary fix of like, aha. Or Scor uh, scorpion. They have another business that's, they, they sell, um, stuffed animal scorpions that go to your house too. I mean, it's just like somebody who's hurt, you, you know, I mean, it's interesting. It's a ho you know, Valentine's is also just a marketing holiday from hell because it's just, you know, the pressure. So people are making money, but I think spiritually, you know, it's like this toxic stuff. And, you know, personally, I would not spend one ninety nine on past experiences. And, you know, I, I just feel like that's just negative energy and I want everyone to yeah. be happy. And, you know, if we're not a match, thank you so much for the experiences and let's move forward. Well, that's what you want, but that's also not realistic. It also depends on where the people are in at different times in my life and also based on the different intensity of the relationships that I was in, you know, my reactions were different and some, some of maybe my more embarrassing or the things, I don't even know if I consider it embarrassing anymore. It's kind of strange to qualify it like that now, but... Yeah, I mean, I have written some pretty scathing letters. I have, I've had some very big feelings about the people that I've broken up with in the past. But usually what I find is that it comes around at some point in time where in many circumstances they either came back or we had a conversation later where they expressed everything I ever wanted to hear, whether it was them coming back or wanting me back or regret. Just forgiveness. Yes, yeah. and, and then... Right that sort of shuts it all down sure. for me and kind of really creates closure. And I feel that a lot of people don't get to that point because they either cut somebody off completely and instead of trying to resolve things with them, they just get very close to and attached to their anger and their pain or their hurt. Yeah. And that doesn't help them let go of it or move towards something new. So there's also, I think, something cathartic about sending an adopt a cockroach, or, right? Um, just like they've got the little voodoo dolls that you could do yep. and yep. things like that. But, you know, at the same time, it's a demonstration of, hey, I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind. Valentine's Day much energy I think yeah you know? it's kind of like I'd rather do an hour of volunteer work at a shelter and hold a beautiful baby right you know then then put my energy and I'm not saying I'm perfect because you know I've definitely had some breakups where they were very painful and it, it, you know I would be driving and then crying and you know sleeping and then crying and going to the market and getting some lettuce and crying I mean you know you have time definitely heals then there's Part two of when you really fall deeply in love. And I am one of the blessed many that I, you know, that's why I also wrote my book because I, I want people to know it is so possible. Stay Open by Dr. Wendy O'Connor is available on Amazon and through her website, www.doctorwendyoconnor.com. And to not give up and I definitely found the love of my life. I did as well. I've had several loves and I try not to compare them in terms of saying that one wasn't love. I think that love is like the most intense, like in a relationship for me, it's always seemed like the most intense feeling that I've had for someone up until that point, to a degree. So like my first love, 
Andy, who, which, you know, when I was 12. Shout to, out. Shout out, Andy. <laughs> what up, Andy? Hey? <laughs> from 12 to 14 and a half, you know, I mean, that was very intense. When you're yeah. that young, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. It's so completely different on almost every cylinder from what I feel from my husband. So, For- stage of life. Is really important. That yeah, we talk about and perspective. Yeah. And that that is also. It doesn't mean that that wasn't love. It was very much love at that time. It's just not what love is to me now. Yeah. And I still recognize the value of those experiences, even the painful of them. And I think there's a fine line between love and hate. And somebody who you you can't get that mad. You can't get that mad at somebody if you don't love them. If you don't have that or that strong of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultimate attachment. And how lucky are we that we have found love? So we are also role modeling for people that it's possible. Yep. You know, that it's very different when you're married at 20 and grow with that person versus meeting them in their 30s or 40s. It, it has a different meaning for you. In part two of their Valentine's episode, Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny discuss if Valentine's Day is a setup, deliver a few tips and resources to make the best of this time of year, and share their thoughts on handling breakups when everywhere you look, love is in the air. You've been listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny, a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.B. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijbwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only. Up next... Part 2 of the 2015 Valentine's Day episode. Totally. Girl, you got an angry vagina.